tuning in to episode 42 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from pornography addiction. If you or somebody that you know is struggling with pornography addiction, please point them to pathbackrecovery.com. And there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography addiction. Again, that's pathbackrecovery.com. And if you have questions, comments, concerns, um, ideas for guests, send them to contact at pathbackrecovery.com. So, hey, I just want to follow a very quick ADD moment for any baseball fans or history buffs. The first thing that comes to mind for me when I hear the number 42, as in episode 42 of The Virtual Couch, is baseball great Jackie Robinson, who on April 15th, 1947 took the field for the then Brooklyn Dodgers breaking the color barrier in baseball. Um, So additional fun fact is now every April 15th, while many are stressing about filing taxes, if you turn your TV on to any major league baseball game, uh, you will see that all of the players on that day suit up and wear the number 42, which I think is just absolutely amazing and fantastic. Okay. So I'm going to do something a little bit different today. I am truly going to make this a short episode. And I promise, I know I've said that before, but this one's going to be really short. Um, But on that note, let me just do a a quick bit of business. Um, I'll quickly ask you to take a look at www.elis-extracts.com, makers of all natural organic shave cream scented with essential oils. And you can use coupon code virtualcouch, all one word, for 25% off any order. Again, that's www.elis-extracts.com. And use coupon code virtualcouch for 25% off any order. And... Um, for any women who may be dealing with the after effects of betrayal, that betrayal comes from the betrayal of a spouse after learning of an emotional affair, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a physical affair, or after learning that your spouse may be struggling with a long-held addiction to pornography, or he may engage in compulsive sexual behavior, there is help for you, for the person who has been betrayed. Please visit bloomforwomen.com. Uh, Bloom for Women offers a tremendous, a, a, a tremendous amount of information and courses and support for any woman who is suffering from any type of betrayal trauma. We didn't even know that there was a name for this a few years ago, but there is so much wonderful resources, research that has been put into the work of helping women um, recover and move forward with their lives after this feeling of betrayal. So it's it's betrayal trauma that is what the site Bloom for Women is all about. When you visit bloomforwomen.com, they offer a free one-week trial to the site. But if you uh, enter coupon code virtualcouch, all one word, during sign-up, you'll get actually a month's free access to the site instead. So again, that's bloomforwomen.com, and please use the coupon code virtualcouch. Okay, so here is why this one is different today. There is a topic that I've written about on a couple of occasions. So you'll find an article or two out on the internet where I write about embracing when your children spill, not embracing for the spill or embracing them as in grabbing them after they spill, but embracing the spill itself. And this is one of those things where I am truly passionate about the subject. I really am. And I know it can sound kind of small or maybe you're thinking, uh, there's a lot more important issues to deal with than, than talking about when your kids spill. But I want you to stay with me here, and I promise that's why I'm going to make this quick. I'm basically going to read you an article that I wrote, which sounds really self-serving. And so I I really don't want it to be that way, Um, but I'll add some additional thoughts and information there. But I've wanted to talk on this topic for a while, and it's funny, I haven't recorded this podcast yet because I keep thinking I need to do something different with it. But I just, I really am passionate about this, so I just want to kind of get this information out there. Uh, So I wrote this about a year ago, while, while I believe... 
or why I believe that one of the keys to kind of setting the table, so to speak, on good parenting. So when people even ask me at times, what's something tangible that I can do right now that will help me with my younger kids, with, you know, or, or start uh, turning the, the ship in a better direction with my older kids? Um, what can I do right now to be a better parent? And I really feel like it, there, one part of this is how you react when something is spilled on the aforementioned table. That's a callback there when I said, let me set the table with this. But with that introduction, let me clear my throat. Let me take, I and mean, you really need to clear my throat, <clears throat> take a quick drink of water, and I will do my best to read this article as naturally as possible. And again, I do promise to add a few things in there uh, here as well, but it really, um, it's going to go pretty quick. So here we go. Pause for water drink. That would have been kind of funny if I spilled, right? But I didn't. Um, but more on that in a minute. Here we go. Uh, and action. One of my greatest parenting moments is when one of my kids' friends are at the house and they spill something. It doesn't matter if it's a drink or if it's soup. It can be anything. Without exception, the kid takes on an expression of sheer panic looking around the room ready for the heck fire and darnation to come upon them. Uh, note to self, I didn't want to. That's actually in the, the article, heck fire and darnation, but I didn't want to get the explicit rating with the podcast for the first time. But they're waiting for the lights in the room to flicker on and off. And for me, the patriarch of the home to come unglued and ask the, the question echoed around dining rooms for centuries. Why did you do that? Come on, clean it up. I can't believe you spilled. Do you know how many times I've told you not to spill? So in the situation mentioned above, typically the children's shoulders will slump, their heads go down, chin touching chest, and a solitary tear will run down their face. And at that point, the rest of dinner is ruined. So in my home, again, without exception, here's, how the, here's what happens. The following occurs. Kids spills drink, soup, etc. Laughter erupts, and several people get up uh, or go get something to clean up the spill. Drink, soup, etc. is refilled. More laughter is had, and dinner continues. But it wasn't always this way. I remember pretty clearly as a parent of four young children, the constant spills, as well as plates and bowls and anything else that can hold food, finding its way to the floor. And this typically happened right as my wife or I were finally sitting down to eat after getting everybody else situated. Or it happened right after we were trying to hurriedly clean up, no doubt running a bit late for whatever we had planned for the day. And to this day, our dogs sit and stare motionless at the floor during dinner, kind of like statue-like, just waiting for somebody to send something to the ground for them to devour. And note uh, that nowadays things are dropped on purpose because the dogs are old and my kids think that they deserve a scrap or two since their spills are far and few between. The point being that I feel fairly confident that as a father, as a therapist, and as a human being in general that none of my kids or your kids or the kids visiting our home woke up that morning and thought, what can I do today to make my parents angry? I got it. I'll spill something during dinner. They'll never see that coming. And then I'll sit back and watch as chaos unfolds. Uh, kids are kids and spills happen. And they've happened in the past and they'll happen in the future. And I'm sure that in prehistoric times, there were caveman kids spilling saber-toothed tiger milk from their rock-like cups. And can you tell that I'm a child of the Flintstones era? And in the future, kids will spill, well, they'll actually drop their pills that contain all of their nutrition and hydration they'll need for the day. That's kind of a shout out to the Jetsons. But I'm surprised the spills don't actually happen more often based on the dexterity and attention span of most kids. And on that note, and here's where, okay, this is a hack bit. Uh, I admit I put this in the article. Um, here we go. Get ready for a snare drum at the end of this one. And on that note, I'm convinced that the juice box was invented by someone who actually despised children because forget trying to get the little spear-like straw into the eye of a needle-sized hole without some spillage. And I actually should have downloaded the app that had the snare drum right now. So in your head, please, right now, if you would uh, enact the snare drum, that would be much appreciated. And in the vein of being truly authentic, you don't want to know what inspired this article. Uh, this is actually part of the article. So I think that's what the kids call meta right now. I'm talking about what inspired the article that inspired me to do the podcast of reading the article. But 
In the vein of truly being authentic, what inspired this article, I just kicked over a bottle of flavored water. Okay, it was diet soda. On the floor of my office, again, and that again was in all caps, so yes, I was yelling that. And there was no part of me that thought, man, you know, I'm pretty busy right now, but I think I'll spice things up a bit. I'll kick this bottle over and I'll spend the next 10 minutes trying to clean up this mess. Uh, first insert of my own opinion here in the last year, since I wrote this article, I have repeated this kicking over of soda water name, you know, you name it on several occasions. And this is again, true story. Recently, a wonderful client accidentally kicked over my bottle as well. And oh, you could tell she felt horrible. So here is confirmation for that client that I seriously am grateful that she spilled. No, really. But our goal is to build up our children, to edify them, to help them along the path of living up to their full potential. I am not going down the every kid needs a trophy path, but we want our kids to be able to come to us when they need us, to feel comfortable knowing that we're there for them, that we have their back, and that we love them. But if we overact, if we overreact to just an inadvertent spill, how on earth do we expect them to come to us uh, to help them process the intricacies of teenage dating or friendships or insecurities or college or career choices or the myriad of other things that go through their minds? So as a therapist who does a fair amount of work with teenagers, I once again can use sort of an all or nothing statement with confidence when I say that every teenager I've worked with over the years has shared with me that yes, their parents have in fact told them that they want their teens to come to them with any problem to share anything with them. And then when the teen inevitably needs their parents' help and comes to them with something that the parents don't want to hear, the parents often freak out. So you can kind of see what's, where, where that's going to lead, right? Yes, the teen is not going to come open up to the parent anytime soon. I have beat this one to death. I know I have on my podcast about the Nurtured Heart Approach, um, the one that I did solo. I think it was episode 26, the one that I did at Summit Christian Church with Pastor uh, Chris Young. But that is the thing where at that point, we are now teaching our kids to closely control the delivery of information. Now, some of that is normal teenage behavior, period, but we want them to feel comfortable that they can come to us. And, and I hope that you can kind of see what I'm doing here or the tie-in that I'm making is that if from the beginning, the things that just happen in life, things like spills, things like breaks, whatever that is, um, as a parent, we have to have, we have to put those in perspective. There was a time where my daughter, uh, I don't know if she listens to all the podcasts that I do, but where she had accidentally stepped on a laptop and broke the computer screen. And, and I'll tell you what broke my heart was the fact that she felt like she couldn't come and tell me because yeah, it was, it was a bummer and it cost money and whatever. But, uh, I just, I felt so bad that she felt like she couldn't come to me and tell me, because I know that the last thing that she did was said, you know, I think that I'm going to jump up and down on this laptop screen today and break it. Absolutely not. Uh, so, you know, and I, and I hope to have, I assured her at the time that it's fine. I mean, it's, you know, things are things, but I care more about the individual, about the relationship and about the connection than I do about whether or not I have to replace a laptop screen or if I have to use some other uh, method for a little while to, I don't know, get, do things on, uh, get things done instead of on that particular laptop. Um, so not reacting to a spill or better yet, and honestly, reacting positively to something that is simply a part of life is a powerful way to connect with your kids early on, period. It's a way to set the stage for having them feel more comfortable coming to you with more important challenges later on in life. Roll with the spills and eventually you'll be right there beside them, helping them roll with the larger ticket items they face as they grow up. And as a parent, don't you want to be the one that they come to? Besides, someday when you're in a, in a nice home somewhere and they've come for a visit with the great grandkids, you'll want them to help you clean up that prune juice that you just spilled because you'll swear that you didn't mean to. 
Okay, so that was actually much shorter than I anticipated, but I'm okay with that. But it does admittedly kind of bring up a reminder of a story of a spill that I had on one of my first international business trips. Let me share that story and we're going to wrap things up and it will be the world's shortest podcast for me. Um, the, the, the time was, I think I was about 24, 25. So this was back in the 90s, I guess. And I was a couple of years into my computer software career and we had, had done a big deal over in Japan. And I'm heading over to Japan. I even bought a brand new suit I had, uh, we'd gotten our business cards printed that they had the Japanese writing on the back and the American writing on the first. I read a Dave Barry's book about going to Japan. Um, I had another book about, you know, what you do when you're in Japan, Japanese business etiquette. I was ready. And so we get over to Japan. I'm picked up by our, uh, uh, our Japanese um, business partner. And we're taking the first thing that we do is we go in downtown Tokyo to some super cool um, ramen place. And it's, it's just amazing. And we're there with a whole lot of people. And I think I'd already asked if there was a fork I could use and I had been laughed at, but I'm rolling with the punches. And so I had already read about that. You grab the bowl of ramen and you, uh, you bring it up to your mouth and you're going to drink the juice of the ramen. And I'm going to drink that a little bit. And then I can't wait because I'm going to get to set my bowl down. I'm going to get to use my chopsticks that I've been practicing with at home. And I was going to be able to slurp noodles and nobody was going to get mad at me. So I bring this uh, soup up to my mouth. I'm getting ready to, to drink it. And to this day, I'm not really quite sure what happened next, but the entire thing of soup then poured onto my lap. Very, very hot soup in a very large bowl. So it went all over me, all over my new suit, had on a little white shirt underneath my suit, had a tie. And so I, and, and I don't remember to this day, I, I know there was some laughter, but I, you know, I was so embarrassed. And to make matters even, well, better or worse, depending on, on how you're going to see the story, I get up and I go to the restroom. And so I, I go to what I assume is the restroom. And I'm not saying that I walked into the kitchen and took my pants off, but I'm walking into the restroom and I do take my pants off. And I'm going to try to wash them out in the sink. And at that point, uh, there was a woman, a kind woman who walked out of one of the, the stalls and just very kindly gave me a nice bow, said something nice in Japanese, uh, washed her hands while I was right there with my pants off. And then proceeded to exit the restroom. I learned later that uh, there are some areas that uh, the restroom was maybe just, there was just a restroom. So it wasn't that I'd gone into the wrong one. I had gone into the one. Uh, but to this day, I still remember, and my Japanese business partners will often remind me of that first time, their first impression of me in Japan, when I poured hot ramen soup all over my lap. So there was a spill. And I will tell you for a fact, the last thing that I had planned to do on that trip was to spill hot ramen soup all over my brand new suit. So uh, going along with the theme of today's podcast, things are going to happen. Spills are going to happen. Breaks are going to happen. And, uh, and, and it wasn't like that was planned. So your reaction becomes one of the, the best things that you can practice as far as to show your kids, show your spouse, show your coworkers, show your neighbors that that is not, you are not a reactionary being. Or if you are a reactionary being, you react immediately with peace, you react with love, you react with kindness. Now, if I was going to go on a tangent again, but I won't, I'll save this for another uh, episode, another podcast. This is yet another plug for the concept of mindfulness. Mindfulness, and I use an app called Headspace. I do it uh, most every day. Uh, mindfulness is, uh, it is a method where you, you learn how to control your thoughts. You learn how to control your reactions. And I will tell you, when I started four or five years ago, I really did think that it sounded pretty goofy. I would do some of the, um, hey, everybody, uh, breathe deep in my therapy sessions. But I didn't even understand the concept of deep breathing, that going in through the nose and out through the mouth, uh, doing two or three of those can slow down my heart rate. 
And, and in not just doing that, but in, I do this headspace app is just a nice uh, British guy named Andy and uh, does a nice guided meditation. And it just does such a, a wonderful job of kind of giving you first a, a kind of an awareness of the way that your thought process works. And I know I've done a couple of podcasts on this, this concept, but where if you just let your mind wander and it's a kind of a neat thing to do at times, your mind will go everywhere. I mean, you can have a hundred different uh, thoughts and emotions all in a one minute period. But, but what's interesting is why do we attach such meaning on just certain ones of those thoughts? We might have positive thoughts that go there through, go through our minds as well, but we are, we are sure to jump on those negative thought processes. So mindfulness is a nice technique that can calm the, the mind. It can calm the body and it can put a little bit of distance between your thoughts and your action. And it has just been, uh, it's been an amazing thing for me to do. And I think it's key for if you are pretty prone to being very reactionary, especially reactionary in a negative way, I highly recommend just uh, trying to find some nice mindfulness practice. There's a lot of them out there. There's a great book by Dan Harris called 10% Happier as well. And uh, he just released another book and I should have uh, had that information, but it's something about uh, meditation or mindfulness for fidgety skeptics. Uh, that I have on order actually right now. And so there, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to get a, a mat and, uh, and get a robe and a ponytail and all that stuff and, uh, and, and burn some incense. I mean, all those are perfectly fine if that's your mindfulness practice, but it really is a, a neat concept where you can just kind of uh, get a little bit of, um, get a little calm going in your brain. And there's some pretty cool research that shows about eight minutes a day of mindfulness uh, exercises for, I think it's up to about eight weeks then starts to change the neural pathways of the brain. And I can attest to that, that you're, uh, you really do learn how to kind of change the relationship with your thoughts and your reactions. And it just makes for a much more peaceful life in general. So, Hey, thanks for uh, staying with me here for a few minutes while I talk to you about how wonderful it is being grateful for and embracing when your kids spill. So until next time, um, the talented Aurora Florence will take us out with It's Wonderful, and I will see you next time on The Virtual Couch. Compressed emotions flying past Our heads and out the other end The pressures of the daily grind It's wonderful Elastic waste and rubber ghost I'm floating past the midnight hour They push aside
systems don't explode Allow the understanding through To heal the legs and hearts you broke 